You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Take your Bible with me and turn to Romans chapter 8. thought it's interesting that uh, Aaron's Sunday school lesson would be on Romans chapter 8. I've entitled the message this morning, The Greatest Enemy That You Will Ever Face in Life. The Greatest Enemy That You Will Ever Face in Life. I wish that this wasn't the case, but it is true that we will have many enemies throughout our life. And by the grace of God and with His help, we will conquer those enemies. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37 will be where we'll launch off from this morning. It says, Nay, in all things, for all the enemies that we will have to face in this life, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him. Not through our own strength, not through our own ability, not through our own resistance, but through Him that loved us. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help this preacher to preach in such a way that would stir the hearts of Your people. To realize, first of all, what our greatest enemy is and how that enemy can be defeated. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure as you heard the title of this message, The Greatest Enemy That You Will Ever Face in Life, if I ask you what that enemy is, probably the majority of you would say the devil himself. Although he is our enemy, he's not the greatest enemy that we will face in our lives. On Wednesday night, just before Ben took over in his series on the body of Christ, I was preaching on ten enemies of the soul. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg you. The preacher's begging his people. I know what that's like. He said, I beg you, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, that you abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. And so on Wednesday nights we were talking about Ten things that war against our soul. We talked about immorality and sensuality and drugs and alcohol and carnal friends and these wicked video games and worldly entertainment and the cell phones and the social media and the carnal worldly music that we have. We talked about many enemies of the soul in our Wednesday night service. The Word of God has so much to say about the enemies that we face in this life. 109 times you will find the word enemy. And 285 times you will find the word enemies. So the Bible addresses this issue over and over and over again. The gospel. I'm going to talk about the gospel today. The gospel and those who proclaim the gospel have many enemies. 
The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Many enemies of the gospel in the world today, although we have many open doors to preach the gospel. People who desire to live out their Christian faith in a very bold way and to stand as a testimony for Christ, they will have many enemies. David said, They also that render evil for good are my adversaries because I follow the thing which is good. Paul talked about the enemies of the cross of Christ. Yesterday, Brother Schmig and his precious wife came down to go out to lunch with us. And uh, as we were having lunch, he asked me if I would just prayerfully consider becoming a board member of the Michigan Association of Christian Schools. And I was just kind of shocked by his invitation for me to be a part of the board. I said, why in the world would you ask me to be a part of something like that? He said, because there's so many men that want to sit on this board. He said, I'm here to tell you, Dan, they're nuts. (laughs) And he said, you're not a nut. (laughs) So I guess that's what qualifies you to serve on the... (laughs) And then he talked about the opposition that is out there in the world and even within the church concerning our Christian schools. And he said, I I want to share this text with you. I want you to read it out loud. Now we're at Cracker Barrel. He said, this is just typical of the things that we face and the things that the board members have to face as we're trying to hold a standard of righteousness in these latter days. And one of the policies that they have is that girls cannot play boys sports and boys cannot play girls sports so there was a volleyball tournament coming up and a mother wanted her two daughters to play on the boys team and tim said no boys and girls don't play on the same team maybe they will practice with each other but they don't play on the same team we got boys team and got girls team And she threw a fit. You know how those millennials are. She threw a fit. And so she said, I want to talk to someone who's over you. I'm it. The buck stops here. And this was the response. Sir, this is the text. Sir, you are unbelievably arrogant and amazingly simple-minded when you say the buck stops here comment. It's spreading like wildfire on social media, and I had to express my concern for your lack of knowledge about what has been happening in our country over the past 60 to 70 years in regards to equality. We can't teach our students to treat one another with respect and equality if our leaders are so backwards-thinking fools. 
I highly recommend that you rethink your position before the cloud of stupidity you are creating spreads even further and the news cameras show up to hear you firsthand say that members of a team that have been together all year working as a unit are not allowed to play in the good old boys tournament because they are female. I, as many, are looking forward to your reversed stance in this matter. Thank you. To which Tim wrote, I think this is hilarious. <laughs> yes, people who desire to hold forth their Christian faith in an uncompromising way will have many enemies. The unrighteous are often enemies of the righteous. David said, my enemies persecute me wrongfully. Government can become an enemy of the church and of Christ. That's why we should pray for kings and all that are in authority that we might live a, pot, a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness. And I want to tell you, I thank God for our president we have right now. Families can become enemies. Jesus said a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Friends can turn on you and become your enemies. For it was not an enemy that reproached me, then could I have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me, that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man, my equal, my guide, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked in the house of God in company. He hath lifted up his heel against me. That is painful when that happens. The ungodly, humanistic, educational system of our day is an enemy of the people. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Every time I pass by a public institution, my heart grieves for those students that are in that building being taught humanism and socialism and atheism. Benjamin Rush, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, said this, Without religion in education, there can be no virtue, and without virtue, there can be no liberty. Without religion, I believe that learning does real mischief to the morals and principles of mankind. Amen, Mr. Rush. As we mentioned earlier, we all know the devil is our enemy. Jesus said, our enemy, the devil, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. These are just a few. I could go on and on in this message just talking about the many enemies that we have to face as believers in an ungodly world. But the greatest enemy that you and I will face is death itself. Take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Seldom does a memorial service go by that I do not read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, all about the resurrection of Christ and the believer in Christ. I want to draw your attention this morning 
to just two verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 25 and verse 26. Hopefully you're familiar with the passage, with the context. Just let me read verse 12 real quick. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 25. For he, Christ, must reign. Are you looking forward to that day? Me too. For he must reign till he hath put all... What's the next word? Enemies. Until he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what, church? Death. Death is the last and it is the greatest enemy. But praise God, it will be destroyed by Jesus Christ. Our text teaches us that Death will one day be vanquished by Christ. It'll be utterly and completely destroyed by Him. Listen to me here today. Death will one day cease to be. That's why at the end of the chapter it says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over what? This last and greatest enemy, which is death itself. There are five things that just kind of emerged out of these two verses as I was meditating upon them, and I've been meditating on this passage ever since Miriam's home going. I haven't been able to shake these two verses. But five things that I noticed. First of all, death is an enemy. Death is the last enemy that we will have to face. Death is an enemy to be destroyed. Death is the last enemy that shall be destroyed. And only Christ, only Christ, only Christ can destroy this last enemy of humanity. Think of all the things that we try to do to extend our lives. Of all the money that is spent in the medical community, one quarter of all the money spent is spent in the last year of life. When we do everything that we possibly can do to keep from dying. I want you to know something. I don't want to be on life support. Not this preacher. I mean... I'm ready to go. And you know why? Because that enemy of death has been destroyed in my life through Jesus Christ. I remember reading an article, this was several years ago, on cryonics. The freezing of people in order to cheat death. Those who have Millions of dollars put themselves in a frozen state hoping that one day there will be a cure to whatever disease has taken their life and they can be awakened and they can live again. It is appointed unto man, I can't hear you, what? Once to die. And after this, 
the judgment. Yes, death is the greatest enemy that man will ever face. And without exception, we will all face it unless Jesus comes first. You're all going to face it. We don't like to think about it, but the truth is we're all going to face it. You're going to die. It comes to everyone. Death can break apart relationships. It can totally disrupt families. It can cause financial ruin. It can bring deep sorrow and grief and even remorse. There is no fountain of youth. Sorry for all of you who are that close to eternity. Whereas we know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is our life? It is but a what? It's a vapor. It appears for a little season, just a little time, and then it vanisheth away. God said, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, from dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. However, there's good news. You know what that good news is? It's the gospel that has destroyed the power of death. Through Christ, there is victory over death. Death has been swallowed up in his victory. It no longer has a sting. Grave no longer has victory over us. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Now stay here with me, listen. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from what? Death unto life. So I have a question for you today. As you face mankind's greatest enemy, has that enemy been defeated in your life because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? That you have passed, that you can say, I have passed from death unto life. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he, what? Live. 1 John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Do you know that? Are you assured of that? Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is... But the gift of God is eternal what? What an amazing offer that in Christ we can exchange death with life. Hebrews chapter 2, I read, beginning with verse 14. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Christ also himself, took part of the same, that through death, his death, he might destroy him that had power over death, that is the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death. 
I can honestly say to you today, I have zero, zilch, no fear of death. Sometimes the process of getting there brings a little bit of anxiety. But I have no fear of death itself. You know why? Because it's no longer my enemy. Death has literally now become my friend. Because I know that I have passed from death unto life. And delivered them who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. Do you live in the fear of death? Be honest with me today. Do you live in the fear of dying? For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but took upon him the seed of Abraham, wherefore in all things it behooved. That's a word we don't use today. Behooved. It means he sought his duty. He sought his responsibility to do something about our death position. So God looked down in his love and he saw mankind dying and going to a crisis eternity and it behooved him. I have to do something about this. And what did he do? He sent his only begotten son. It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. You see, there are two deaths. There is physical death and then there's eternal death. And I don't know if you've ever heard this. He that is born twice will die once, but he that is born once will die twice. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I'm talking about what the Bible calls the second death. The second death, the greatest enemy of mankind. You say, what is the second death? The Bible said, he that hath ears to hear. How many of you got some ears on today? Somebody got some big ones out there, I'll tell you that. No. <laughs> he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh, he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. So what is the second death? Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. You see there are two general resurrections. There's what the Bible calls the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust. Or we would say the resurrection of those who are believers and then the resurrection of those who are unbelievers. Blessed is he that hath part in that first resurrection, the resurrection of the believer in Christ, because on him the second death hath no power. So you'll either be resurrected one day in that first resurrection or you'll be resurrected in the second resurrection. If you are those who will be resurrected in the second resurrection and not the first resurrection... Are you still with me? Amen. 
are those who the Bible says will be for all eternity perishing. I quote, The second death is the miserable fate of all unbelievers in hell. The scripture clearly teaches the unending duration of the eternal suffering of the lost and the eternal everlasting life of the righteous. Concerning the eternal duration of the suffering of the lost, the word of God uses these express words, where the fire never shall be quenched, unquenchable fire, everlasting fire, where the worm dieth not, the bottomless pit, the smoke of their torment, ascended up forever and ever, shall be tormented day and night, forever and ever, eternal damnation, eternal punishment. The idea that the second death in the case of the unbeliever is annihilation is not true. Annihilation has, has not the slightest support of Scripture which always represents the future as one of conscious suffering enduring forever. The supposition that God will ultimately secure the repentance and restoration of all sinners is equally unscriptural. There is not the slightest trace in all scripture of any such restoration. The suffering, their suffering, has no tendency to purify the soul from sin or impart eternal life. It is only, it is only the atoning death of Christ and the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit that brings men to repentance and salvation from the second death. In the case of them that perish, the means of salvation from the second death hath been rejected. Because of this rejection, the Bible states there remaineth no more sacrifice. For sin. Why is the second death the greatest enemy that man will ever face? Because, listen to me, be, listen to me, it is eternal, eternal death in the lake of fire. I've said this so many times, I wish that it wasn't true, but it is true. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, say it with me if you know it, this is the second death. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So the Bible makes it very clear what the second death is. As believers, we have the promise of everlasting life. But the unbeliever has the promise of everlasting death. Think about it. A state of dying for eternity in the flames of hell. What a wonderful promise that God has given to those of us as believers. Can I say something to you? Don't ever get over getting saved. Peter said, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Paul said, for all the promises of God in Christ, in him, yea, and in him, amen, 
Having therefore these promises, dear the beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's something that ought to take place in our life when we realize we have been saved from this second death. We have a debt to God that we cannot pay. John said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that overcometh, I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from God. I will write upon him my new name. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and is set down with my father in his throne. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. I want to tell you something. You better find out how to become an overcomer. If you want to secure those promises that I have just read, the promise of eternal life, the promise of the fact that the second death loses its grip, loses its power over your life, you better figure out how to become an overcomer. So I'm going to ask you, how do you become an overcomer? By trying to live a good life? Yes or no? I can't hear you. What? How about keeping the commandments? How about being baptized? How about going through a process of confirmation? How do you become an overcomer? For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. You know how you become an overcomer? You got to be born again. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me ask you a question here this morning. Have you put your full faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your personal Savior? If you have, would you just raise your hand with me? You are an overcomer. You may feel overcome, but let me tell you something. You are an overcomer simply because you're in him. I like what Paul said. He said, I am at a straight. I am conflicted betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'm conflicted. I want to go be with the Lord, but at the same time I know that he has me here for this period of time. What a conflict. But what a great conflict to have. Amen. That you would be so conflicted that, well, I just want to go be with the Lord, which is far better, but God has me here, and as long as he has me here, I'm going to live my life for him. Let's go back and talk about that last enemy as we wrap things up here. Sometimes it takes me a while to wrap up the package. Ben said Wednesday night he was going to unpack everything, and I'm going to wrap it up. For since by man came death, who was that man? Adam. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. What man is that? Jesus. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. What is the wage of sin? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When did death enter this world? All the way back in the Garden of Eden. For as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death has passed upon all men, for all have what? Sin. That means there was a time in our life when death was our greatest enemy. As by one man, sin entered the world. For as in Adam, all what? Die. What was God's command given to Adam? Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, are you still with me? Thou shalt surely die. Did Adam eat of that tree? The woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes. She took and she ate. She gave it to her husband and he did eat. And now listen to me. Adam's sin has affected every one of us. He became a sinner and he passed that sin nature on to every one of us. The Bible says, I, I don't want to lose you here. Come on now. The Bible says death has reigned from Adam to Moses. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Nevertheless, death reigned. That enemy of death, it reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. That means they didn't eat the fruit, but they still sinned. They didn't do exactly what Adam did. But they sinned as Adam did. But here, death not only reigned from Adam to Moses. And, and who was Moses? He was the lawgiver. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. And it reigns from Moses right up until the present. Death continues to reign as the greatest enemy of mankind. Remember when Moses said to the people... Would you like the law? What did the people say? Give us the law. Oh, how we need a law. If you give us a law, we will keep it. Really? Well, they did a good job at that one, didn't they? Before he even came down off of the mount with the law in his hands. They were violating the law. Paul said, I would not know sin but by the law. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Sin is a transgression of the law, for all have sinned. There is none righteous, no, not one. Say, here we go. The wages of sin is what? Death. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
And from Moses, the lawgiver, right to the very present, the law has done nothing but condemn us of our sin. Could in no way save us from it. Only one could. He was called the second Adam. The first Adam brought death and condemnation. The second Adam brought life and justification. Question, who are you trusting in? During Miriam's memorial, I read a passage from the book of Job that I had never, ever seen in my life before. I actually had read through the book of Job. I had a preacher that I sat under who preached verse by verse through the book of Job. <laughs> so I'm sure that he probably read this verse, but I was meditating on something else when he was reading that verse. <laughs> Job said, Our days are determined. God knows exactly how many days you're going to live. Our days are determined. The number of our months are set. <clears throat> God alone hath appointed the number of days that we will live and the number of steps that we will take. I said during Miriam's memorial, God didn't need a Fitbit. You wrap your mind around what Job is saying here about our God. He knows the years. He knows the months. He knows the days. He knows how many steps you will take. That's a good idea to spend more time in the lazy boy than out there walking around. I'll tell you that right now. Just trying, just trying to be biblical. <laughs> and then Job said this. We can't pass them. We can't pass the years. We can't pass the months. We can't pass the days. We can't pass the steps. If a man die, shall he live again? Thou shalt call. And I will answer. There's one call every one of you are going to answer. And that's when the Lord calls you home. In this passage of scripture. Jesus is called the last Adam. Or the second Adam. The first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. He has quickened us. He's made us alive in Christ. The first man was of the earth. He was earthly. But this second man, this second Adam, is the Lord from heaven. Hallelujah. For if through the offense of one many died, 
much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, one man, one man alone, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one's man offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous." Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. O death, where is thy sting? O grave. Where is thy victory? For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Death one day. No wonder we love to sing about heaven. Death one day will be totally and completely destroyed forever. Did you hear that, church? And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Totally and completely defeated forever. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. For the former things are passed away. Listen to me here today as we close. We wrap it all up. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do not wait another moment for that enemy of death to be destroyed in your life. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let Christ swallow up in victory that enemy of death in your life the wages of sin is death but the what the what the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I'll leave you with one verse Paul said our Savior Jesus Christ hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We have a great message to share to a lost and dying world. What is it? It's the gospel that I just preached to you today. Let's have every head bowed.
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.